We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Las Vegas Summer League is back. <laughs> and Chet Holmgren with the run, oh! the two-handed flush. What is up and welcome to the Uncontested Podcast. Coming to you live from the Blue Wire Studio in Wynn Hotel, Las Vegas for Summer League. I'm your host for the evening, Jacob Niffin. I guess not the evening, it's the afternoon. I've got Nick Crane next to me. Thunder round two. Will we have Chet and Giddy or none of the above? going to be interesting. We got JD Silva. Fellas. And making his grand return, friend of the podcast. Every Thunder fan knows this man by now. He has pimped himself out to every podcast known to man. We've got Derek Murray. Appreciate you having me, guys. Yes, of course, of course. Guys, we've been out here for Vegas at Summer League for a while now. Derek, I want to start with you on this. What is your biggest takeaway from that first Thunder game out here in Vegas, OKC versus Houston, Chet versus Jabari. As you watched that one, I think that was your first night out here, second night out here. What what was your biggest takeaway from that game? I think everybody would expect the answer to be Chet or Jabari, but but it's J-Dub, honestly. I mean, he has just caught the attention of a lot of people around the league, a lot of scouts. Um, seeing him in a role that's primarily off-ball as a cutter, uh, as a wing instead of more of like a lead guard or a point guard. It's been really interesting to see. So J-Dub's definitely the one that I think has caught my attention probably more than others. Nick, Silva, your takeaways? Game one? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, the defense from both Jabari and Chet was really, really, really impressive. I think they both ended up having um, at least three or four either blocks or steals, one of the two. Um the offense has been underwhelming so far for both of those guys. Like Chet's had some solid moves. Jabari's, you know, hit a couple of of his patented elbow jumpers, but overall just haven't been blown away by their ability to be a number one guy in offense. Yeah, to me, to me, one of the biggest takeaways so far, uh, Jada becoming a huge fan rapidly. Uh, but just to touch on Chet, we've noticed a trend in, in every Salt Lake game that he played, and in the one game in Vegas, he has improved in the second half of games. We kind of saw how he struggled in the first half of, of his first Vegas game, and he came out and had four blocks in the second half. Uh, to me, that tells me that Chet can self-assess a bit as a player and come out and make adjustments on his own. Definitely. Um, I want to get in. I got Derek, I have so many questions <laughs> about J-Dub, about Chet, about these other rookies. So let's, let's dive in. 
kind of take a step back from that one game in Vegas, and let's look at the Thunder's summer league as a whole so far. Three games in Salt Lake, one game out here in Vegas. They play again uh, shortly after we get off this podcast episode. So, Derek, let's go through the four guys. All right, start with Chet. What you've seen from him in summer league so far, kind of how you evaluated him at Gonzaga uh, before that, coming into the league, and then what you've seen so far pre-pod. We were talking about the the Kenny Lofton Jr. game, right? The narrative that started there, and just give us some of your your thoughts and opinions on how Chet has looked so far in summer league. I think from an evaluation standpoint, he looks almost exactly like we would have expected at this point. I'm not really caught off guard or blown away by kind of anything in any direction, positive, negative, offense, or defense. Like I told you know most people on the Thunder podcast tour, blocking shots is just a part of who he is. It is innate to him. It is hardwired into his personality, and we saw that. That was exciting in that first game, just especially the two-handed block on the, on the uh, one that drove baseline. Like That was just a lot of fun. And the fact that he wants to go out and shatter the block record at Summer League, he's probably going to do it in the NBA at some point as well. So I think just offensively as well, the creation has been there, which is really, really nice, the length on the inside. And he's hitting threes out of high clips, stepping into him in transition. We did see that a lot at Gonzaga. What will be interesting from Summer League to the NBA regular season is I'm curious how many on-ball reps he'll get. He looks good on the ball. The handle's obviously pretty tight for the, that length um, he can create. He's comfortable in the pick and roll especially when he starts backing guys down onto the block into the paint, he can get to the rim as he wants. But I've always believed like this is Shea and Giddy's offense to run. So I'm curious to see, especially after seeing him in summer league, how much green light he has as a creator and facilitator, uh, more than maybe just like a spacing five to begin with. You know, if they're both on the floor, I just really wouldn't take the ball out of either of their hands. So that's what I'm curious to see early on in the regular season. And the, the big question with him coming in was the, the size. Like, will he get bullied? And, and like Silva mentioned, it's, it's happened a little bit, but late in the game, he gets better and better and better. From what you've seen, it hadn't been a ton, obviously. Um, better or worse in terms of how he's used his body? Probably another one. Like, again, it's a boring answer. <laughs> I'm not really surprised either way. Like, yeah, Lofton, I think Kofi backed him down one time as well. Yeah, you put me in the paint and you put a guy who's 100 pounds heavier than I am, he's going to push me around. Like, that's just a part of what it is. Yeah. But I am glad that Thunder fans have been able to see him recover and use his length anyway. And again, I go back to the NCAA tournament game. Watch Gonzaga versus Memphis. Him and Duran went back and forth. There were times where Duran absolutely bodied him and moved him out of the way. The one dunk where, honestly, my personal opinion, I didn't want to go too hard on this pre-draft. I think that Chet tried to take a foul. I don't think he got just bulldozed on that particular play. I think we all know which one we're talking about. Yep. Yep. And then even when Duran put him under the goal, his length and timing, again, it's just hardwired into who he is, and he's able to block shots, and it's worked so far in summer league. So I'm not surprised either direction. Shot blocking's for real. It was always going to be real, and it's nice to see it painted out here. It's been good to see it, not only on the guy that he's defending, but weak side. Help side yep. shot blocker is bonkers. There's that one on Tari Eason. He jumped from one block to the other side of the backboard and pinned it. Like, covers, that's nuts. Covers so much ground, and it's not with speed. It's literally just that ridiculous length. Yep. Mm -hmm. Well... Derek, you had a tweet that kind of made the rounds, especially on Thunder Twitter. Uh, I oh think a, a lot of a lot of people were really happy that kind of under the assumption that you came to the defensive chat. I'm going to read it real quick, and I want you to just kind of elaborate a little bit, okay? Yep. This was after, and no offense to the kid from Houston, I can't remember his name. The guy that dunked on on Chet, Eric that, Holman. Eric Holman. Derek, you tweeted, "quote 
I'll take a player unafraid of getting put on a poster over one that runs away. 10 times out of 10. Is that just what you get with Chet? Because that's kind of how I feel. He got dunked on, and a bunch of fans around me at Summer League were, oh my gosh, Chet Holmgren, he can't guard anybody. And I, I looked around, I was like, you think he's not going to come for the smoke the next time someone comes in the lane? So can, can you just kind of elaborate on kind of that mindset that Chet brings? Yeah, that definitely was a direct like correlation. It was about 60 seconds after he got dunked on. I was like, I need to get this out there before this gets out of hand. Um, you know, from whether I am watching a high school tournament, I do a lot of grassroots coverage to a college game, to international game, whatever level of basketball I'm watching, I would rather somebody have the stones to go up and get dunked on than make a business decision. Now, I thought about prefacing in the tweet, like, hey, there are business decisions to be made. If you think you're going to get hurt, like, don't jump in front of LeBron. Yep. Like, just don't do that. Like, you're going to hurt yourself. Make the call. Yosef um, Nurkic learned that role real quick. Yes. Yeah, like, you yeah. Could, like, there are guys out there that could hurt you. Um, but just the mentality of, just personally in my life, like, I would rather try and fail than 10 years down the road wonder, man, what if I would have tried this? And I think that applies to split-second decisions on the basketball court as well. And that's where Chet's toughness, everybody want to talk about the physical toughness before the draft, yes, but he's mentally tough, always competitive, he's fiery, he talks a lot of crap out there, like, I didn't mind that he got dunked on, who cares, it's going to happen, Gobert gets dunked on all the time, and he's the best rim protector in the game. So, I liked it, but that was, yeah, in response to him getting put on a poster, because it's going to happen, he's never going to back down. To and, me, to me, Chet having that mentality is what allowed him to deter so many layup attempts, or would-be layup attempts in the second half. We saw... Time and time and time again, Houston guys would drive in, think they're going to take a layup, and then you could see them thinking like, oh, Chet is there. I need to swing this out. And I think they only made two, two layups in the second half. Because yeah. you, you assume, as soon as you break the three-point line as an offensive player, you assume he's going to meet you. Yeah. And you have to have that in your anchor. It's, you covered the team back, I think, around this time, Derek. It's kind of the Serge Ibaka effect. Right, it's I, I vividly remember Serge coming back from that leg injury, Western Conference Finals against the Spurs. The defense completely changed because Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, drive the lane, and now there's a shot blocker right in your face, right? And so you make that decision, I'm going to swing it, and any shot away from the rim is a shot that a, a defense is happy with, right? <laughs> An analytical coach will tell you that's what we want to make them do, and that's what Chet's going to make people do. Yep. And, and on, those, on the block attempts on a dunk, even if you get dunked on nine times and one of them is either a foul or they miss the dunk attempt, like that's saving two points and it's worth mm -hmm. it, like every single time. Derek, last thing on Chet. Okay, after his awesome Utah Summer League debut where he just, I mean, he had the NBA world by storm that night. Chris Mannix of Yahoo Sports wrote an article uh, where he quoted an anonymous assistant coach in the league who was at that game. Uh, that quote is, I am not sold on him being a star. He's obviously an excellent shooter, skilled, but he is so physically weak. He can't get by his defender, and he realized that early and settled for threes the rest of the game. He's so thin in his hips and legs that he makes teammate Poku look like he has thick legs. I don't think he'll ever fill out. He will need to make difficult shots this season to have a good year because he settles for jumpers and can't play inside. He was able to use his length to block shots and drivers tonight, but NBA guys will just go into his body. He has a long ways to go. How would, if somebody said that to you in like the, the draft process, how would you re reply to that? Like they're all valid concerns. Like I get every single point he makes 
there is either some film or just like being up close to him physically, there is enough to say, I see what you're saying here. It's not just some, you don't know what you're looking at. But again, if, if Chet was mentally weak, then I think these conversations would be more prevalent. But he's just not. I do actually have concerns like that he'll be able to fill out. Like he is so thin that you wonder, is the muscle going to come? Like, can his body handle that? I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to try to project or predict, but it crosses my mind. just like it did a lot of other scouts and evaluators. I think it's super harsh. Like anytime that anybody, again, these parallels go outside of sports. Let's say we tried something for the first time or we bump up a level like baseball. Guy crushes it in AAA. He goes to the pros. He strikes out three times out of his four at-bats. Like, does that mean he's a bad baseball player? Like, no. NBA pitchers are different. Those guys are throwing triple digits, and they're five years older than you and experienced. NFL, we blame rookie quarterbacks as if Trevor Lawrence last year struggled a lot. He had a system, about that yesterday. Has a, yep. had a system that it wasn't working for him. Yep. And now your defensive ends and defensive tackles are just as fast as you are where they were not in college. Like, it's going to take time. So I think that was harsh. Um, maybe on the line of unnecessarily harsh, even though, again, you can take away and say, I see, I see it. It makes sense where you're coming from. But after one game, I just, I wouldn't have gone that far on a kid. I think that's unfair. Tell me, tell me if you think I'm wrong here. I think Chet has the personality that that kind of stuff drives him. I don't think he's already starting, not, not a villain. Like that's probably not the right word for him, but around at least NBA Twitter and like casual fans, um, he seems like a guy you either love or hate. Polarizing. Polarizing. And I, I think he's totally fine being that polarizing villain type player. And, and if you don't think he's going to be good or he's going to be a bust or those are concerns, cool. He's going to prove you wrong. And guys that you take at the top of the draft, like this is super important to Matt and myself as we evaluate guys. If I'm going to take you in the top three or four, again, maybe that's more or less players per draft class. It's all different. I need you to have a little mother effort in your personality. He got I, that dog in him. He's got, he's got the dog in him. Like, you have to have that at the top because your best one, two, three players on a winning franchise, if you don't have that, you can get to the playoffs. You can get to the second round. You can no, you can go no further. You just can't. So I love that he has that. He has had it. Again, the guys who only saw him at Gonzaga, if you go back and you watch him starting his sophomore year in high school, like he talks that yep. much on the court, and I love it. Yep. So he's chippy. He's got, an, he's got a chip on his shoulder, and now – what did he tweet after that first game? Was the, it, the laughing face. It was emoji. the laughing face. That's yeah. right. Everybody was like, chill out. You know, yeah. bro, it was only one game. Yeah. I didn't mind. Yeah. I like it. I, like, I love it. Giddy has some of that in him too. Yeah. You know, he does. I've noticed that. Also, my, my tin hat, you know, conspiracy theory is that that quote by that anonymous GM that was after game one where Chet just went off, 100% Orlando coach. I'm just convinced. You can't convince me otherwise. Derek, let's move on to, you've already mentioned him, uh, I think quickly becoming a fan favorite, and he's only played like four summer league games. Jalen Williams from Santa Clara, uh, better known as J-Dub amongst Thunder fans. I've tried the Lil Bill uh, nickname. Nobody likes it. Um, I digress. I digress. Derek, something specific about J-Dub that I want to ask you about. The wingspan is insane. Mm-hmm. When we had you on the podcast during the pre-draft process, you had made a comment to us about one of your worries with J-Dub was at the combine, he measured crazy long, and you said, yeah, having that big wingspan is awesome and that can help your draft stock, but why didn't I see you be like this lockdown defender in college with that crazy long wingspan? 
How would you assess his defense so far? I thought really interesting that Houston game. He got the Jabari Smith Jr. Mm-hmm. assignment. How would you assess his defense so far in Summer League? And do you think he's starting to change that narrative a little bit? I think he's been considerably better as a defender in Summer League than he was in college. I think what's interesting is the defensive role has changed and probably will continue to be very different than it was in college. A lot of these high-volume guards, both at high school, college, uh, the professional level, high-volume guards on offense aren't generally defensive anchors or you know guys, and that's okay. I try not to hold it against them. Maybe that's what that was for him. He was carrying such a massive usage load at Santa Clara on offense, and now his role is always more of a wing player, um, which was something that, you know, to be honest, I didn't necessarily look at him through that lens very much in the pre-draft. That's why I've been so impressed with him is I didn't necessarily see him as a wing uh, just because he had the ball in his hand so much. I do like that he drew the Jabari. Um, mm-hmm. And blocked the Jabari. Blocked. So I think anytime, you know, again, just small sample size, yeah. I think his length does make him a better shot, you know, defender, blocker, whatever you want to call it on the perimeter, on guys whose games are not heavy on self-creation. Like I would put him on clay. Like I would put him on Jabari where they're not necessarily going to go and run all the pick and rolls, but he is every bit athletic to run with them in the half court. He can chase them off every screen. He's so athletic. He's so mobile. And then the length to defend. I think as long as he's not like on a point guard who's creating, you know, where he's having to decipher over under screens, fighting through screens all game, he's on that off ball defensive role. I mean, he has greatly impressed me. I, I honestly, I don't want to Never want to admit I was wrong, <laughs> but drawing that defensive assignment, I was like, okay, so it's in there. And that's just like props to the Thunder guys for nailing that one when we didn't really get to see him in that role in college. Yeah, it was weird because he was, like you said, a primary ball handler, like played a lot of point guard, um, which he may not on this Thunder team, like now or ever, but like playing a wing, he's an awesome slasher um, in catch and suit, shoot situations. He's been really, really good. Like we talked about this the last couple days. He almost seems like he's not he's not Lou Dort defensively by any stretch of the imagination. And I don't think he's Trey Mann as a shot creator, but he has enough of both of those guys that I think he's more well-rounded than either of them ever can be. Well, like, his pace and ability to get into the lane as a creator is what was special at Santa Clara. And we've already seen that sometimes too. Yep. Like being able to beat his man off the dribble, but it's not with speed. It's with the change of speed. And that's what is like so, so good about what he does. It's like someone it, else that plays in OKC. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like they have a tight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he, a lot of his offensive game to me feels very Shea-like. Mm-hmm. And the, the unorthodox, I just call it the, this funky type of pace he plays with. But that's one of the things that I've been most impressed with. And Derek, you mentioned like you kind of always viewed him through that lens of this point guard on-ball creator. We've seen him in summer league do most of his damage off the ball. And I think that versatility, if he's able to have that, he's going to play an awesome role. I mean, I could see him even playing some time at the four for OKC this year, you know, with that wingspan and uh, just that ability to play off the ball. He's He's been an awesome cutter. How many times have we seen him dunk? I mean, he had three the other night just off back doors. Um, really, really awesome to see how he's developed. Do you think being an on-ball guy for him in college and now probably playing more off-ball role, is that something that he's going to grow into with time? Um, I mean, you you kind of watch a guy like Shea, who I feel like 
whenever he played with Chris and Dennis Schroeder in OKC, he played off ball and he would cut a lot. But now he doesn't do it. Whenever he's Shea's off ball, he's just kind of hanging out in the corner now. Is, is this something that is, from your perspective of scouting guys, is a process of, okay, now I have to rewire my own brain on how I'm going to operate on the offensive end? I feel like I'm going back to football parallels a lot today, and that was That's very okay. unintended. Um, in the same way that a guy who used to play receiver ends up being a pretty good quarterback, or a guy who used to play receiver is a good corner, or quarterbacks go and can play tight end in the NFL. The more well-rounded you are, the more reps you have at different positions, utilizing a different skill set, the better player overall, I believe, you become. So I think that it's easier to take an on-ball guy and make him off ball than it is to take a guy who's like off ball a lot. And all of a sudden I need you to be an on ball decision maker. So I think that J dub's ability to run a pick and roll survey, the offense again, tremendous vision. My favorite part of his game at Santa Clara was the vision and passing. He could see the whole floor. Now he gets to survey the whole floor without having to make the decision. So he's already, he's normally one step ahead of his guy. Now you could say that he's two. And then I think being well-rounded, now seeing the floor as an off-ball guy and a cutter and slasher, now when he is getting on-ball reps, in the same way a receiver sees a view from a corner, like now he knows how to read the defender guarding the guy in the corner a little bit better. Yeah. So I think it's going to make him better. Like that's We saw it with Shea. I just think the more well-rounded you could become playing different positions, uh, I just think you become better all the way around. I'm, as a as a fan, I'm trying to like pump the brakes on the hype I'm feeling for J-Dub. It's, it's just so fun to watch on defense and on offense. We have a lot of people in our chat uh, on Twitter and here now during our stream that have asked the question, how long until he starts over Dort? I think it's too early to make that that type of assessment, but I am fascinated by his fit alongside Shea, Gideon, Chet as a way to fill in all those gaps, just like all the things you said he could do. I'm, I'm super excited for lineups that include all four of those guys. It's also hard to pay a guy $87.5 million and then try to predict exactly. when's he going to the bench. Exactly. Yeah, point. 100%. Let's, let's move on. We got two more guys to talk about. Uh, next one, the guy the Thunder traded up for, Usman Jang, kid out of uh, out of France via the New Zealand Breakers. Derek, my my first thought on Usman, and I'm interested how we didn't talk about him whenever you were on the pod last time. So I'm interested in kind of what your evaluation is of him. The first thing that I see is a severe lack of physicality uh, and almost a a timidness in a way that he plays. We we talked about. Uh, Chet is a mother effer. I don't see that much in Usman, but Usman's also like 18 years old. Is that something that that you see that you've picked up on? And, and how do you uh, kind of evaluate that moving forward? If you watch him uh, early on last season in the NBL, he had real trouble scoring. The volume just wasn't there. And again, I, I can't remember if I mentioned it to you guys, I pushed him as a lotto guy early this year. And it did not look good for me the first couple months. So, because he didn't, he couldn't get to the rim and finish through contact. He didn't want to initiate it. I don't think it's like a fear thing. I think it's a body thing. Like he is still growing into his body, that size, that length. A couple years ago, he was a six foot four point guard. Like we all take time to grow into our heights, whatever that is. So, I think that's what it was early for him in New Zealand. Um, it's just that it took a minute to learn how to fight through contact. That will come. That's not necessarily a concern of mine long term. Yes, will it hinder him from scoring sometimes, like now, summer league, maybe the first year or two? Absolutely. But in no way do I think it's a, he's soft, this is going to you know, hinder him during his career. I don't see that at all. That, right. makes, that makes perfect sense 
from what I saw. Because what I saw from, from Jang, he could get to the rim, have his arms up over the defender, but it's like he didn't know what to do when he was, when he, was he didn't realize he was that high up. He could have just slammed it a, a, several times. He needs to learn how to dunk. Yes. Like there's been a lot of times a dunk is there and he shies away from it. Yeah. Just tries floating it up. Um, what do you like about Zhang defensively? Because he's got a ton of size. He's got the guard skills on offense. But I think defensively, he could be a disruptor as well. Yeah, I think the lateral quickness is going to be uh, kind of the, quote, swing skill, if you will, on defense. Can he switch out onto twos and move laterally enough to get over and under screens, be able to hang with the guys? Again, super intelligent. So he, he understands what the offense is looking at while he's on defense, on or off the ball. And I love the length as well. Great size, positional size, positional length. For me, it's, okay, the quickness on the feet as he continues to grow and level out at whatever height he is or you know will be for the rest of his life. Uh, what do those feet look like? That's what I'm going to pay attention to. I wonder if he's still growing. Like there's, there's an off chance. He, whenever he's on the court standing next to Chet, they're not that different. And that's kind of terrifying. <laughs> like you have those two guys, like if they both pan out, what do you do? Like, you can't pass around either of those guys. Right. That's like 15 feet of wingspan. It's ridiculous. Well, Derek, one quick question. I don't know if you talked about this last time. Um, Usman Zhang, Alexei Pokashevsky, both these kind of jumbo wing kind of guard players. Mm-hmm. How do you evaluate where Zhang is now versus Poku when he came into the league? I look a lot at the competition that they were playing. You know, Poku... Again, it's not his fault. He was in Olympiacos B, and it was just incredibly, incredibly difficult to evaluate. The eval on him was more of what does he look like with the ball, what decisions does he make, and not what was the stat line based on the competition. For Jang, you watch him at you know, 14, 15, 16, 17, FIBA, you know, over in France. After a certain point, he just dominated his peers at every level. That's important to me. Like it wasn't very often that we got to see Poku have an opportunity to quote dominate yep. his peers. Yeah. Um, Poku again, was playing against forty-year-old smoking a pack of cigarettes at halftime. Right <laughs> during during COVID too, where it's hard to get good looks. Yeah, it was it was just really difficult. And then the NBL, it's great basketball. It's grown men; they are professionals. Um, so Jenks struggling. Like yes, there was a little bit of concern of okay, you know, he's having trouble scoring all this stuff, but he's a guy who routinely dominated his peers who then had a massive jump in competition. So I wasn't necessarily worried about the struggles. Similar to Ignite guys. Like, they're going to struggle. They're teenagers playing against professionals. So I didn't hold too much against them there. That's fair. Let's move on to the last guy. Jalen Williams, part two, the sequel. Uh, the one out of Arkansas, Jay Will. Just signed a four-year deal with the OKC Thunder. Uh, we're assuming a lot of those years are probably non-guaranteed. Derek, are you surprised that he got a roster spot, not a two-way deal? I was told I didn't verify this. I was told it was a two-and-two. So that's just what my information says right now, but we'll need to look in to see if that's, like, valid. Um, I'm actually not surprised he got a roster spot because of how they used JRE last year. Again, they are different players, but they are going to be interchangeable in a way that the way you run your offense and defense is almost the same. They should be the Spider-Man meme. Yeah, I, I, I actually think it's those two. Yeah. Um, again, in OKC, we're, what, three hours from Fayetteville, so I go over to Arkansas a couple times a year, and I absolutely love this kid. He was another one where I started telling teams, I was like, I don't know why this kid's not in consideration as a second-round pick, and I said that when he was a freshman. I said, because if you look at what he does well, he's not that quick. Mm-hmm. He's not 
going to shoot the ball incredibly well. But when you put him at the top of the key, he surveys the floor just like Jokic does, and you can see it. Like The game moves pretty slow for him, especially his sophomore year. Like He was thinking and processing things more quickly than anybody on the opposing teams. And then he's willing to do the dirty work, and he's a phenomenal teammate. Like Again, who else does that sound like? like yeah. It's JRE. Yeah. So it didn't shock me that he got a roster spot. I think those two together, again, I don't know if the Thunder are going to make a push for the play in next year if we want to get in the Wembenyama stakes. Um, but those are guys that I would classify as 82-game guys. Yep. They're the ones who get you to the playoffs so that you can then move Chet to your five for the playoff time. <laughs> but, yeah, I, th- I think it's a great signing because they're going to win you a lot of games by just making very few mistakes and doing the right things. Like all the- We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The time. Yep. Awesome. You guys have anything else on Jay Will? He's he's got the fundamental tools, like you mentioned, to be a contributor towards winning. Um, but there has been some stuff that's you can already see the limitations. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's a small percent chance that he ends up being like anywhere near even a fringe all-star, but he's going to do the small things that hope you win. Um, I thought he was a little quicker. The first couple games, I was like, oh, wow, he is not very quick at all, mm-hmm. but it could come. I'm excited to see him in Vegas. He hasn't played in Vegas yet. Yeah, I bet we see him tonight. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah that, would be, well, that is what my assumption would be. Uh, Derek, a couple more segments before we get you out of here. First one, I want to look at the top 10 draft picks. Okay. We've seen all of them play, even if it's only three minutes in Vegas, and that's the only three-minute window we've seen from a guy in the past three years in Shane Sharp. Uh, I want to go through those top 10 picks, and I want you to tell us, so far from what they've shown in NBA Summer League, have they exceeded your expectations, fallen under your expectations, or kind of just remained even? Sound good? Yeah. I think the first three, you, you want to you wanna ask names? You want me to just roll I'll, down I'll the just, list? I'll, we'll just rapid fire this. I'll ask you, I'll cool. say a name, and you tell me high, low, or even. Cool. Paulo. Even. Oh, wow. He's blown me away. Yeah, same. 
Yeah, I, I th- you watched him a lot more than me. The passing just yeah, no, the playmaking was not discussed nearly enough in the yeah. pre-draft process. Like that's this kid can pass again. Pre-college tape matters so much because you don't know how a system is going to use a kid. And I don't think Duke misused him in any way. But you watch him in high school, like the facilitating. You're like, dude, this guy sees the whole floor like really well. So I know that fans who maybe didn't see a ton of him, they're like, oh my gosh, this kid's amazing. I honestly would be comfortable saying even. Okay. Uh, We kind of already talked about him, but Chet Holmgren. Yeah, even. Even. Jabari Smith Jr. Even. Okay. I've been a little underwhelmed. We're we're seeing the struggles that were going to be there. So again, if you if you predicted the struggles, that's where I think it's even. Gotcha. He he can't get around guys. Yeah, it's going to take some time. Um, But again, the teams that like he's a full year younger than a lot of these other most other guys that were taken up at the top. Mm -hmm. So that's where would you rather you know what does he look like twelve months from now? Where the guys you just drafted are at this stage, that's where teams who were really really high on him they believe they can turn him into that kind of ball handler. It's funny to say this, he's like Josh Giddy's age. Yeah, he's young. Hey, <laughs> while we're on the topic of Jabari Smith, and if I ask you this and you can't answer, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Was it just a hell of a smokescreen? Was it Paulo at one all along, and they just they sold the shit out of it? Was it was Jabari actually in play at number one until the very last moments? At the conclusion of the combine, there were some whispers of Paulo being the guy that some of Orlando wanted. And again, we don't report things. That's just, that's not our business model. It's not how we work. Mm-hmm. I also never heard that verified by more than like one person. So it was never something that I put much stock into. It was never going to go into our evals. Everything was still coming out of there was Jabari. But it was always kind of in the back of my mind of why did we hear that? Yeah. Um, I think that it was just giant smokescreen. I thought it, I think it was Paulo the whole time. I think it was a good move on Orlando's part to see, hey, if we want Paulo, let's see if we can bait someone into giving us just a massive haul of picks. Maybe the Thunder think we're taking Chet. Maybe we can convince somebody else we're taking Jabari. And I think you have to try. Yeah. Because if you have the first pick, you don't have to smokescreen anything. You're not you don't need to fool anybody. But I think it was great because don't leave potential assets on the table. Mm-hmm. Let's see if we can get someone to bite. That's what I personally think it was. So honestly, props to the front office too. Yeah. They did a great job. A hell of a job. Yeah, what was interesting is the night before, again, we were in New York, draft was Thursday. So like Wednesday night, the odds flipped. Mm-hmm. That was weird. That was just a weird couple hours <laughs> yeah, up there in the hotel. <laughs> um, but it was very much like, okay, there was a leak somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's keep going on the list. Keegan Murray. Uh, I have been very impressed with what I've seen from Keegan as a movement shooter. Yeah, uh, that's what's really done it for me. So he didn't just he didn't get a ton of reps as a movement shooter at Iowa. Everything else, I would say, even decision making, rebounding, passing, but shooting on the move first couple of nights, you're like, oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> if he does this, this is a problem. Yeah, uh, Jay Nivey. I'm gonna say even. Again, I feel like a lot of people would probably say he has outperformed what they expected. Kid had 11 points in five minutes yesterday or two days ago before he got hurt. He's a superstar. Uh, Detroit again. They are ecstatic. They got him at yeah. five. So you've been um, you've been leading the Jaden Ivy train. <laughs> Jaden's going to be a problem. <laughs> He's awesome. Yeah. He's awesome. Uh, Benedict Matherin. I'd say even, but I have been pleasantly surprised with the way he scored off the dribble. Hit some one, two dribble pull ups in the mid range, which have been really nice to see. Just because not many guys in the NBA, the way they run their offenses, get to show that off very much. So I've been surprised. The next three, I. 
I think it's an incomplete, right? Shane right. Sharp, Dyson Daniels, Jeremy Sohan. Yeah, we've seen we've enough. seen a total of eight minutes of all three of those guys combined. Uh, so let's go to number ten, Johnny Davis. I've been pretty underwhelmed. Um, same in that same game where Ivy had eleven and five, he had six and twenty nine, if I remember correctly. Could be wrong on those exact numbers, yep. but um, struggle struggles finishing at the rim right now. I think he's been tasked to run the offense as like the one. And that's just not what he's going to do at the NBA level. So it's in no way worrisome or concerning. I have been let down with the production in what he's been asked to do. But it's summer league. They're probably trying to figure out, let's see if this works. Yep. So mm-hmm. nothing concerning, even though it's been a little bit rough. Gotcha. Last thing before we get out of here, and I know we've been just picking Derek's brain like crazy here. So you two are going to really get a sh- chance to shine here. Congratulations. Nick, you're first up. (laughs) We're going to play a game of take it or leave it. So I have six statements here. I'm going to read off a statement. And Nick, you're going to tell me, are you taking that statement, meaning you think it's going to happen? Or are you leaving that statement, meaning I don't want to touch it. It's not going to happen. I don't believe in it. Okay. So Nick's going to give it to us. That sounds awkward. (laughs) Nick's going to give us his answer. When in Vegas. When in Vegas, baby. (laughs) Nick's going to give us his answer. And then you two can kind of offer some pushback, and we'll just go down the line. Each person will get two. Cool. Nick, first one. The OKC Thunder win 30 or more games next season. I'll take it barely. Just because... Give us a number. (laughs) In in a vacuum, if every player on this team played 75 games and was fully healthy all year, which would be the ceiling, I would put it at 35. Best case scenario. Okay. So you're going, you're taking the over 30. You guys agree? I'm going to take it because in my line of work, I do not like to predict teams (laughs) sitting stars. That's not good for my business. So I agree wholeheartedly. If all these kids play, it's hard to see them being terrible. There's just too much talent there. So I would agree. Uh, I would also take it. I would would think around 33, 34. uh, I think... Dignall had coached the team to top 12 defense for a good chunk of the season, and now they're adding Chet as a rim protector. Make them harder. Come on. Make them harder. Make them, <laughs> hey, yeah, man. Doing? What are you doing? We're already trying to get Nick to get us off. Now we want it harder. I, <laughs> I don't know what the hell you guys want from me right now. Oh, now we got to make the explicit tag. <laughs> Silva. Yep. Take it or leave it. J-Dub starts 25 or more games for the Thunder oh, next season. Oh, wow. Wow. Trying to pull the homer out of me, I see. Uh, no, I, I, would, I would leave that. Uh, I think Dort's going to play... Dort is the reason why. I think Dort's going to play a ton this season. I think uh, if J-Dub does start, it'd be because of like a, an injury to Dort, and it'd be, it would be 12 to 15 games. Or a, a trade of Dort. Wow. Yeah. Could be. All right. Do you two agree with that? You guys leaving it? Uh, I am going to take it because injuries do happen. It okay. is a long season, and I also don't think it's just Dort. I mean, if we've discussed yeah. him playing the four, then it's not just Dort. So I think there are certain lineups where you almost have to try it. Yeah. Um, I, I almost yeah. think anybody one through four is out or sick yep. or resting William, or injured. Williams becomes the guy. Well, that, J- J- going the going guy. back to your point, versatility and playing a bunch of positions, like he he could be like pick any of the starters getting hurt. He could be the next man up. Right. Yeah. Because you could if well, you with the exception if, of Chet, probably. But <laughs> if you but if but if Chet's playing the four alongside JRE. JRE gets hurt, you slide JRE, Chet to the yeah, five, and you put J. You still yeah. put. I mean, he, he could yeah. be the replacement for anybody. Yeah. That, to that's shake why up I the, take. That's why I take. That. Yeah. Well, this is music to my ears. I gotta say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Derek, take it or leave it. 
Paulo Bancaro wins rookie of the year. I'm going to take it. He's going to get ultimate green light from game one to game 82, and he's going to score a lot of points. He, he's impressed the <laughs> hell awesome. out of me. Yep. He is good. You guys taking that one? Yeah. I'm on record. When I thought he was going to Houston, saying it doesn't matter where he goes, he's going to be rookie of the year just because of the offense, and I can't just like go back on my own take. So right. I'm taking it. Apparently, I'm not good at these because you're all everyone's agreeing with every <laughs> yeah. take so far. Nick, take it or leave it. Five years from now, the narrative of quote the 2022 draft class is a weak class will have shifted. We will no longer call it a weak class. We will call it a good class. Are you taking it or leaving it? It's a hard one because I didn't ever think this class was weak. Was it as good relative to like the Luca draft or even last year's draft? Maybe. Um, so I, I would say yes, it's going to shift. I don't think it's going. We're going to look back and think this is the 2003 draft, but I also don't think it's going to be the 2013 draft. Okay, so you're kind of going to put it in the middle of the road. Yep. You guys in agreement there? What do you think? I think I think it's going to be looked upon as an underrated draft. Interesting. Like handful of all stars that we didn't expect yes. coming out of this draft. Yeah, maybe maybe like a Ben Matherin really pops in the league, things like that. Through one one through ten. All right. If I had to use the high low or even thing, I'd probably say even. So I don't know if that takes it or leaves it. I'll let you guys <laughs> decide. Yeah. But like for a draft to drastically change from oh, this is kind of weak to whoa, you kind of need one or two guys from that twenty five to thirty five to just like absolutely pop off. And I just don't see any super high ceiling guy. Now, to me, Jovic is the one to watch down in Miami. If Jovic clicks and like all of a sudden in a couple of years, he's like a starter and absolutely giving it to teams. Uh, Peyton Watson is the other one. Again, a pick 30 has a chance. If it clicks, he has all the tools to be awesome. Those are the two to watch where if they pan out and they're just starters, the guys that would start across the league, then I think that could change. But there's just, I don't see like a superstar coming out of that back end of the first high enough to where you say it bumps a whole class into like the next tier, if you will. I like it. Uh, I think, Silva, you have the next one. Take it or leave it. Lou Dort will still be in Oklahoma City at the end of his five-year contract. Mm, I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it. Uh, we discussed this a little bit before the podcast started. I think the benefit to the, to the contract you just signed, you keep a good player in Oklahoma City potentially for five years, team option on the last year, I believe. But that number is also very tradable if the Thunder were to push in some of their chips and go look for a bigger fish. Um, yeah, I'm leaving it. The question was, does he get traded this year? No. Will Lou Dort still be in, the, in Oklahoma oh, City at the oh, end of the contract? Oh, oh, oh. No. You're leaving it? Leaving that. Interesting. There's just there's too many things. There's As good as a player as he's going to be in the playoffs one day, He's feels very replaceable. Like... Two years in, there's guys that I could see playing over him even in the next year or two. Is it J-Dub? Could be. <laughs> I'm going to take it. Um, I think he's still going to be here. I think the number, like 17 and a half a year if you do the average, feels high right now. But if you look at what the salary cap max was five years yeah. ago to today, if you were to use some... You know, I'm not an econ guy. Use an inflation model, whatever you want to yep. do, whatever that's yep. called. Yeah. That's 17 and a half, I believe, in five years is going to feel a lot smaller. So you're going to have a smaller portion of your cap going to a guy that I believe is the Mikel Bridges of this team in the playoffs. I would have a hard time getting rid of him. Yep. I like it. Derek, you got the last one, man. Cool. 
take it or leave it, by 2030, we're going to look back on this draft class and say that the best player from the class was not one of the top four picks. Gut reaction, I'm going to leave that. Okay. I do think... Oh, man. That hurts my Ivy agenda a little I, bit. I was about to say, <laughs> Ivy's at five. Oh, my There's a reason he put it one through <laughs> four. Uh, good job on this one. You're yeah. making me work. I'm going to leave it. It's kind of like in golf. Do you think this guy's going to win or the field? Always take the field true. just because of yeah. the numbers. Uh, if you're giving me... I just I think those top four, Paolo and Chet, I just think. And then if Jabari's handle comes, like, again, I love Ivy. Probably a superstar. I'll just take four guys versus one if I had to make, like, a future bet. That's fair. Oh, boy. Silva's going to take it because it's J-Dub, right? <laughs> no, no, I'll leave it. I'll leave it. Yeah, I, th- I think one of these top four guys will be the best player in this class. Okay, easy enough. Apparently, my take and the leave it suck, so <laughs> apologies. Uh, hey, before we get out of here, Derek, will you tell pe- the people listening where they can find all of your stuff at? Yeah, uh, Twitter's where I house most of it, um, at Hoops. Um, basketballnews.com is where a lot of our coverage is babcockhoops.com as well um, is kind of what we run our consulting business off of but we pretty much run everything through Twitter and again being at Summer League is great I appreciate you guys having me Um, shout out to Blue Wire it's one of the coolest studios I've ever seen in my life so it's been a great experience and really appreciative of you guys having me of course uh, you have the open door anytime you want whenever you're not pimping yourself out to all the other Thunder podcasts. Right. <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, thank you guys so much for tuning in Uncontested. We really appreciate you. We will be back literally in like five hours because we're going to post-game pod after the Thunder take on the Orlando Magic tonight. Uh, so tune in for that. And then we fly home. We leave Vegas tomorrow morning. It's been real. It's been hot as shit. Um, I think all of our stomachs are just completely wrecked because you cannot find a healthy meal in this city. Uh, that costs under like a hundred bucks. So it, it's been an experience. We love it. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We will catch you soon. Until then, as always, under up. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com listen.